1: Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, our number two on the grid, Dane Martinez, and, of course, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. Kev, we talked about week two as a bloodbath, right? There were so many injuries, and there's a couple of games where, like, these heavily hit and injured teams are playing each other, um, and so I want to look at that because... Yeah, remember when it was coronavirus and we were like, what is it going to be if three guys on this side are out and one guy on this side is out? How do we evaluate them? How do the algorithms figure that? And I believe we have something in that when the Carolina Panthers go to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. The Chargers are six and a half point favorites in this game. The total stands at 43 and a half. Now on the Carolina side. Christian McCaffrey is down, right? He's on IR. Mike Davis is the pivot. If you trust that, that's an interesting value in DFS this week as well. But the more interesting one may be on the other side of the ball with the Los Angeles Chargers that we know that the Chargers doctor punctured to Rod Taylor's lung. So he's out indefinitely and the kid. Is in there Justin Herbert, who by all accounts looked good in relief duty against the Chiefs last week. Now the Carolina Panthers are preparing for Herbert. Do you think it matters? Do you think it looks different for the Chargers this
2: week? I think this is a spot where I wonder as we get closer to kickoff, you know, we said watch for the hook. Could this get to seven? Herbert impressed against the defending Super Bowl champions. The Panthers are a team that a lot of people would like to pick on. I lean Carolina here. I think that Mm. they can keep this game tight. We always talk about games where the spread could come into play. I think that's possible. I also think Carolina could, though, get an outright upset win here. It wouldn't surprise me. But I'm just going to play this game over 43-and-a-half. A A Panthers game? 43-and-a-half? Thank you very much. I will be playing this game over.
1: Yeah, uh, I see you on that one. Remember, uh, in my Diamonds and Fugazis this week, I talked about Teddy Bridgewater becoming a volume thrower, right? Even without the loss of Christian McCaffrey. He was putting it up last week, and I think that defense that the Panthers have put them in negative game scripts early on in games. But I'm with you, Kevin, as well. The back door could be open in this one. Remember, week one, they had that home dog situation. They were getting three. They lost by four in a back-and-forth game with the Raiders. In week two, they were, I believe, eight-and-a-half or nine-point dogs to Tampa Bay were within that working margin, and then Leonard Fournette at the very end when they weren't even trying to score anymore broke off a last touchdown down run to make that working margin cover the spread for Tampa. So I agree with you. That could be the case. What do you feel about one of my strongest opinions of the week as it relates to Teddy Bridgewater being a volume thrower? I'm going to be very interested in the attempts prop for Teddy Bridgewater. Without CMC, I know Mike Davis was in the passing game, but I think all of a sudden we're going to start to see all of these wide receivers. And during the week, the Panthers were even saying they wanted to get Curtis Samuel more involved. I think we see more Samuel, Robbie Anderson, even a little Ian Thomas if available in this week.
2: I think they're throwing. I mean, I think that they should be, but is Curtis Samuel, when they say they want to get him more involved, is that in the pass game or the run game? Because that's the one thing that's worried me a bit. Well, that worries me a bit, though, from the Mike Davis standpoint that we think we're just... Walking on into RB1 touches and all of a sudden, oh, I, I didn't say that. Though. I
1: didn't say that. I actually think this is going to be a pass happy team. I think Mike Davis will be the guy, right? But I don't know. I think they go more pass heavy. I'm not saying he's an RB1 in any stretch. He may be, I said he may be a value in DFS because of the way he's priced. They still price Christian McCaffrey on FanDuel at 10,000 and yeah, Mike yeah, Davis yeah. in the 5,000s.
2: You know, that's why, relatively speaking. Yeah, no, listen, and I get that. I wasn't trying to say that you said he was going to be an RB1. No, I'm just talking about RB1 level touches, right? At the end of right. the day, he had eight catches last week. If Curtis Samuel's making it happen, I don't love it.
1: Yeah, fair enough. As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, thanks for spending the morning with us here on the Early Line. Kev, you know, the Christian McCaffrey injury on one side, the the, the just weird Terod Taylor situation, that's one injury game. This other one may even be more weird when it comes to injuries, Kev. It's the San Francisco 49ers who stay on the East Coast and have to play in MetLife Stadium against the New York Giants. They were there last week. They didn't like the turf. Remember that back and forth? A number of 49ers got hurt last week from their starting quarterback, Jimmy G, two of their running backs, two of the studs on the defensive line, Boza and Thomas. And now they go back to this horror show turf for them. The NFL has approved it. But then on the other side, Saquon Barkley is down. Sterling Shepard is down. So, again, how do we evaluate when both of these teams are so compromised? Kittle practicing in a limited basis, but there's also talk that because of their fears of the turf, they may hold them out another week as
2: well. I, man, this game is something else here, Dane. A part of me is tempted to make this the only game I bet from the entire 1 o'clock slate. Take advantage Hmm. of being here in New York and just watching it in its entirety, and either enjoying it or being as frustrated as I've ever been. But there's no... What is the argument for the Niners laying three and a half on the road with eight of their top starters missing? I I just don't think we can stress this enough. Their number one corner... Their defensive player of the year candidate. We've also got yeah. Solomon Thomas. We've also yeah. got D. Ford. No George Kittle. No Debo Samuel. No Raheem Mostert. No Tevin Coleman. And oh, by the way, they're starting quarterback. It, yeah. Like, would they have been laying ten? Would they have been laying ten to the Giants? Like, no, they would have not been laying ten. They were laying seven to the Jets last week, right? A full seven to the Jets last week. Uh, And, you know, and worse, way worse on power ratings than the New York Giants, way worse on power ratings. Now, ultimately, they covered they covered that game against the Jets. I mean, they just slept Walked to a cover. He most are just opened up the game. It was like, here's 80 the house. Thanks for coming.
1: Are the Giants even worse, though, Kev? You know, Saquon Barkley, not there. Their number one wide receiver in Sterling Shepard, not there. I'm with you. Give me the home dog if it's more than three, okay? I'll take it if it's more than the field goal as well. But I'm just trying to get into the minds of the book. I mean, both of these teams are heavily compromised. It could just be a stay away because so much is up in the air. More games to talk when we come back on the early line. on the grid. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Right here onto the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walls, burning the candle at both ends. We got more games to discuss here, Kev, on a football Friday. Recently, in the last segment, you were trying to relate the Niners' point spread, you know, week two on that field against the Jets, a bottom five team, and then week three on that field against the Giants, another team that people don't necessarily think are uh, anything to write home about. But Kev, you know, many people have said that after two weeks, it looks like the Jets are the worst team in all of football. We had that when we had our guy Jay, the Sportscake CEO, come on yesterday. He said that they were 32 in his power index and the Jets are the biggest underdog on the slate in week three. Remember when we did watch for the hook earlier this week? At that point, it was 10 and a half. It is now 11 and a half, a full point here. 44 is the total. Um, you know, this profiles to me. We talked about this, Kev, that the Colts aren't really asking Philip Rivers to do too much. They do have the run game led by Jonathan Taylor. We'll see if Naheem Hines gets a little bit more involved. Um, I believe this may be the Colts hopping in, hopping out, workmanlike effort, getting the job done. My question for you is 11 and a half, too big of a number.
2: It is a very, very big number. I want to respond with a question though, and I'm going to somewhat put you on the spot here, but the question Uh-oh. is almost designed for you not to have a quick answer. Oh, Who boy. are the three most talented Jets that are available for this team going into this game? The three most ta- on the offensive side of the ball? Just in general. In general? Anywhere, uh, anywhere. Sure.
1: Uh, sure. Quinn and Williams is one on the defensive line. Um I believe their quarterback, Sam Darnold, is too. Um, And then, uh, you know, I'll give you whoever the best offensive lineman is. Because it ain't anybody at a skill position, Kev, because Braxton Berrios is profiling to be the number one wide receiver for this team on Sunday.
2: All right, so, Makai Becton. So,
1: basically, sure. Y- sure. year their two first defensive round draft tackle. Pick this year, yeah. their first yeah. round draft pick last year, and their first round draft pick the year before that. That's what I'm going with, Kev.
2: And, like, I don't think you're wrong, but, like, goodness gracious, yep. this team is terrible. Now, we've seen this movie before. Two yep. weeks, a team looks like they'll never win another game. And then right. they show up and slaughter survivor pools. I almost think that it might be a good rule of thumb for us to never get in, get involved in the spot. That is going to eat up all of your survivor pools. Now, funny enough, a lot of people probably don't have the Colts left in their survivor pool. That's because they're out of their survivor pool and took them week one against the Jags. I mean, this is the survivor pool pick of survivor pool picks. But guess what? That's what the Vikings were against the Bills two or three years ago. Knocked me out. Knocked everybody else out. I just don't think it's necessary. and Look, we're doing a pick show. We're doing a preview show. I get it. It is so unnecessary to bet this game. The Jets deserve to be 11.5-point dogs. Maybe they deserve to be 14-point dogs. But I'm not going to lay 11.5 or 14 or whatever this number finishes at with Phillip Rivers. I think the total's interesting, though. The Jets seemingly do enough. They'll throw enough to give you enough points to where their defense is so bad we should be able to get over a 44. And I also think Jonathan Taylor fits the description that we described Derrick Henry with last week. You're going to want to bet his overs with the caveat of if the book is prepared for that and they're posting triple digits on the number, oh, then you're going to have to take a step back.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. He's a guy I have my eyes on as well. He is third in the NFL among rookies in scrimmage yards so far this year behind, obviously, the running back we saw last night, Robinson, and Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I have no idea, Kev, how the Jets are going to hold up to their end of the bargain, you know, but right with a total of 20 uh, 44 27 17 get you right to 44 and that's not an 11 point margin unfortunately another place where we're going to have to understand what does this team look like with the injuries is the Denver Broncos Kev the Denver Broncos ha- welcomed the Tampa Bay Bucks in right and backup quarterback. We don't know what they're at, the running back position. Melvin Gordon, that's it. The wide receiver position has been eviscerated with Cortland Sutton now out for the year. The Broncos' defense is a team that's been banged up. Remember Von Miller already out. A.J. Bouye, the good cornerback, goes down as well. I think it's going to be very tough for the Denver Broncos. That is why they are home dogs by five and a half. That's sort of in no man's land. Let me ask you this as it relates to this Tampa Bay side. Are they just going to get better and better offensively as the year goes along as tom brady gets familiarity with these weapons and as they continue to uh unleash shall we say leonard fournette
2: will he assume to be the lead back here and as they continue to get healthy mike evans right. was out there just to sure. confuse marshall and Lattimore in week one chris Godwin, Godwin out of the cold dark two. hard room we, we yeah. all get excited about scotty miller's drop and touchdown passes right, that are messing everything up here. I said that the, that the Patriots, right, one of my two favorite bets on the board. This is the other one. I think that the Bucks call it the, Brady, the Brady-Belichick reunion special. I think the Bucks are going to roll this Denver Broncos team. Again, it was a spot that set up perfectly for us. Jeff Driscoll hung around against that Steelers defense. Now he's home. Denver, tough place to win. What else do you expect to happen? They're going to keep this game tight. Tampa Bay looked awful week one. They were lucky to backdoor cover the Panthers in week two. Mm -hmm. They're going to roll this team. This Bucs defense continues to be underrated. Jeff Driscoll's going to be in for a nightmare of a day. They've lost Cortland Sutton. Phillip Lindsey won't be available for this team. You're relying on Melvin Gordon, who is not that great of a running back can give you some production but not that great of a back jerry judy who i love we're still talking about a rookie wide receiver no offense been awesome but the bucks have good linebackers and the bucks are going to be ready for that and on the defensive side of the ball they lost aj Boye. we know they lost von miller this is going to be the yeah. healthiest healthiest that the bucks has looked you know Brady was going to want to go into Denver, no matter who's the quarterback, no matter who's the coach, no matter what. And look, to put up, to put up numbers and put up points, I think the Bucks roll Denver this week. I, I have no issues laying his five and a half.
1: All right, fair enough. I want to press you on a couple of players involved if the game script goes the way it sounds like you think, right? So on the Denver side, you mentioned Noah Fant who, by the way, is one of only three tight ends so far who does have a touchdown in both games this season. He may be a place to pivot in the past game or maybe a value in DFS. There's also another rookie wide receiver on Denver, Kev, who I know you're on as well, in KJ Hamler. Right? And, and he is someone who had 48 yards, I believe, receiving last week. And he may have a bigger role as we see here. You know, they're going to have Judy on one side. Don't forget about another rookie. Where do you think it goes, especially if you think Tampa's rolling them? This could be garbage time production for guys like Fant, like Hamler. Would you buy into that? Yeah, no,
2: I don't mind that at all. I don't think Fant, though, is a buy low guy. Value. Right, no, like, no, he's yeah. known already. He's right. known. Like, Hamler, think, however, no. is only on right. like 4% Hamler of is. rosters. Yeah, and I and I think that there's a very realistic chance that Fant might have the highest receiving yards prop on the Broncos' side of the ball mm. anyway. So yeah. I'd rather play the Judy, and I'd rather play the Hamler side of that role. I, I definitely think that you're spot on um, with that. And, and here's the interesting thing with this Bucks team, though, is something that you kind of were starting with here is what does the backfield look like? You know, yep. Ronald Jones. That's what Steve, I want to see too. Did he start to get out snapped because of a miscommunication with Brady on a fumble? Is this just talent? Eventually, you know, kind of rising to the top here. I mean, look, they were kind of having comparable games, and then Fournette does this is something that Leonard Fournette will do. You want me to ice a game? Yep. Yeah, here's how I'm going to ice it. I'm going to score. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run for a forty yarder, and that's what I'm going to do, and that's what he did last week, and that's how he yep. had twelve carries for for triple digits and two scores. What this backfield looks like. Does Ronald Jones get carry number one, or does Leonard Fournette get carry number one? No, that is definitely something I'm going to look at. I do believe Leonard Fournette is like
1: kind of slow burn, leapfrogging Ronald Jones. And by the way, Kev, Leonard Fournette had his career-high rushing yards, 225, as a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars in September last year against the Denver Broncos. So keep an eye on Leonard Fournette. He has his all-time best game against this defense. I think what you said, you know, the cream is just rising to the top. I think Leonard Fournette is going to be the back. Remember I told you Bruce Arians was just being nice with Ronald Jones' ego, what he was doing early on. I think that is going to continue to come to pass. Hamler as an underneath threat with a negative game script looks good too. We got more games to discuss, but the news update is up next here on SportsGrid
2: Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team physician. And I can tell you, teams don't want to tell you the whole story. That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out profootballdoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at profootballdoc.com.
1: Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line on the grid, giving you the edge. Dane Martinez and my main man, Kevin Walsh here. We also welcome back our radio audience from around the country. Thanks for listening to us bright and early on a football Friday, especially the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. Kev, remember when I said with Miles Sanders that there's a couple of prop bets that I'm just going to keep betting until I lose them, (laughs) you know, and see how much they move up? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, one of them is going to be Kyler Murray's rushing prop. It was at 30 and a half last week. I took it, and I think they're in a tough spot. I think they're in the same spot that they were in with, like, Lamar Jackson last year, right? They can't raise it up to, like, 60. You know what I mean? But – I'm going to bet it all the time. The other question I had for you, Kev, because you have been talking about DeAndre Hopkins, right? He leads the NFL in receptions with 22, is the best in NFL history through first two games with a new team. That total, so I ask you, with this total also at 55-and-a-half, Kev, why would I not have a Kyla Murray-DeAndre stack in DFS this week?
2: Um well, the Lions run defense is terrible and okay. last week Devontae Adams let people down and Aaron Jones was well, he got hurt the in the game. Guy. He pulled his hamstring. Yeah, he, he, he still played a lot of the game. Okay, I mean and had know. 3 catches right. for 30 yards. I mean basically okay. last week in the first quarter he gave you a week in the first quarter against the Vikings and then against the Lions it was the Aaron Jones show.
1: You do you for, expect you regression for, from this combo, though? Do you expect regression you from this Kyler Debo combo? I you're giving me one. Why.
2: Do you believe in the reason you're espousing? <laughs> I don't know, though, because here's the thing about Patricia. He's terrible, but he does come from the Bill tree, and I do think there's something to be said about again this very uh, interesting concept, if you will, of let's take away what teams are good at. And right. you know, Patricia's gonna give that a shot as well. So if I were to tell you that Matt Patricia did what are you taking away, in his then? power, it's Kyler Murray. The thing is, this isn't hard, by the way. Like, I it just drives me crazy. And again, I it's not you that I'm frustrated at because you are right to pose it. It's just outrageous that like Matt Patricia's like, what should we take away? Kenyon Drake, you think? Like, but Odds are because
1: here's the thing, but wait, wait, hold on a second, Kev, because and this is where the catch happens. This is where guys like Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton to to quote unquote take him away, what does that mean? Put a spy on him? Kyler Murray ran for 20, 25 yards a chunk, making people lose their ankles. You could try to
2: quote unquote take him away, but that's where the natural athleticism comes in, right? I mean, yes, right, which is why he's incredibly talented, but it doesn't mean you just don't do anything and then keep letting him rip off 20-yard rushing touchdowns. Like, no, we're going to play contain and we're going to have to send creative blitzes and we're going to have to do everything we can to try and pray DeAndre Hopkins doesn't beat us into submission. I don't think, I don't know if it's going to work, but at the end of the day, like you're showing up here, right, with your helmet and your pads, and that's what your focus has to be. Okay. If we leave this game, we go, ah, Kenyon Drake beat him. Ah, So be it then. So be it. But like, if we leave this game and we go, hey, man, can you believe DeAndre Hawkins, 15 grabs, buck 62 scores. (laughs) Kyler rushed another one in for 80. What did you show up for, man? What did you expect here? Right? So, and again, he's supposed to be a defensive head coach. I think the one thing with this game, though, is, Dane, and, and kind of what we just did in that spot. When you're looking at the slate, I think it is very important to try and play devil's advocate. No matter how much you like a side, ask yourself why someone might like the other side. And maybe you don't talk yourself into the other side. You might at least talk yourself out of the game. And I will tell you this. The Arizona Cardinals are going to be a team that people will love this week. Teasers, Survivor, how could they possibly lose to the dreadful Detroit Lions? Here's the one thing I will tell you. The Lions have had double-digit leads now in each of their first two games. That is a real thing. They're getting back their best skill position player in Kenny Galladay. And I think if they're able to jump out to a double-digit lead in this game in the way that they have the past two weeks, they might finally be able to hold on to one. All right. You mentioned
1: Kenny Galladay looks poised to return for the Detroit Lions as well. Galladay. And it would be so nice. But talk to me about these Lions running backs, right? Because you got Adrian Peterson, the, the you know old faithful there. Kerryon Johnson as well. And the rookie DeAndre Swift, who I think has been involved more in the receiving game, right, in the past game. But my question for you, Kev, this total is 55 and a half. Okay. Right. So – you know, and, and and we talk to guys like Colin Drew and Drew Dinkmeyer and, and and they always say that like you come back on him also in a stat game, right? So if you have Kyler Murray and you have DeAndre Hopkins, do you not also maybe come back and get shares of say a Marvin Jones as well? Like do you expect Detroit to, as I like to say, hold up to their end of the bargain?
2: Yeah, that's the thing. I don't see why the Lions just don't go out there and have Stafford throw the ball forty-five times. Right. And and just do everything. Like look, you've got you you're gonna mix the run game in sure, right? But I I just you've got Galladay back, attack the attack them down the field because Terry McLaurin had a big game last week. Seven grabs, one twenty-five, and a score. Now now a lot of it you know came in the second half garbage time as they were down okay but it's a spot here where Matt Stafford you know you kind of talk about Dan a little bit some guys in DFS he's he's on the lower end of quarterback pricing hmm, that is and interesting to me he's someone that stood out to me Yeah, no, I I like that. And
1: a game with a 55-and-a-half point total, and we see potentially Detroit with a negative game script, I would not be surprised if Stafford has a five as the first number
2: of his attempts in this game. You want to say something else on this one? Yeah, I I, I want to actually make this point about the Lions and the same thing with the Falcons. If you're these two teams moving forward, you pretty much can never take your foot off the gas pedal after what you've now seen from the first time. No, absolutely. Right? Like, if, yeah. especially if you're the Detroit Lions, right? Blowing that fourth quarter lead. Sure. And you Did, right? And then getting up 14. Like, so that's something that I think should be real for those two teams that, you know, even if we start to say to ourselves game script, right? Oh, the Lions might be in front. Okay. Well, or the Falcons might be in front. Todd Gurley. No. Throw the football. Be up by 28 points in the fourth quarter and still keep throwing the football. Now, I don't know if these teams will necessarily do that, but I know they should. Yeah. No, I I think you're right, this idea, because
1: no lead is safe. And we saw that, obviously, you mentioned the Atlanta Falcons as well after their game against Dallas last week. Kev, you know, this Kyla Murray and Cardinals offense has been dynamic. We talk about what Seattle and Russell Wilson is doing, right? We know about the Chiefs. We know about the Ravens. But it's the Green Bay Packers that have the number one offense in football right now, Kevin. After two weeks, they have scored 80-plus points in total. They're literally the fourth-best offense in NFL history. To this point, okay, so talk to me because they go into the dome now to see New Orleans on Sunday night football. The Saints are laying three. We've got another high total at 52 and a half. But, you know, the spotlight, Kevin, this injuries have been on Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, the number one and two running backs in fantasy. Well, guess what? In this game, the number one and two wide receivers in fantasy may not make it onto the field in Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. We saw what the Saints looked like on Monday Night Football without Michael Thomas. What do you think this number one offense in the NFL is going to look like without potentially Devontae Adams? There's some who may think, ah, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But to your point earlier in the show, maybe the Packers just, you know, turned the ball and handed off a little bit more to Aaron Jones. Jones, who right now is like the number one player in all of fantasy football.
2: So this is very interesting to me. Look, I love Rodgers, but you're going to want to have Devontae Adams, and I don't think he's going to have Devontae Adams. We've kind of talked throughout this show about who are the guys that have dominated through two weeks that are going to kind of come back to the pack a little bit. Now, that way their numbers can average out. And Mm -hmm. that's Aaron Jones. Like, I will not bet him to score a touchdown this week. He might he might, but <laughs> I'm not doing it because it's going to be a big minus number anyway. So, and then you look at the Saints side of things. Boy, did they miss, it feels like Michael Thomas last week. The thing for the Saints, though, is they've been pretty poor through the first two weeks of the regular season, The you know, dating back now the last five-plus years. They're only laying three at home. They looked awesome in the Dome week one. I know Michael Thomas was there for that game. He didn't do much in that game. This is a spot where we're likely buying low in the Saints. I don't love it because Green Bay's looked awesome through two weeks. Yeah, We're probably getting a discount on New Orleans' team that week one looked great in this building, and that might just be the case here in week number three.
1: Let me ask you something about this, okay? Because the Packers, Kev, have over 1,000 yards of offense in two Mm -hmm. games. Okay? And uh, stay with me in this scenario, right? No Devontae Adams, let's say, for another week or two. And the Packers continue to have this kind of offense, okay? I look at Aaron Rodgers right now at 11-1, to Kevin, for the NFL MVP. Russell Wilson getting a ton of hype, right, and deserved. You know how I feel about Russell Wilson. Lamar Jackson, Patty Mahomes, they're going to be there, right? Mm -hmm. But, Kev, this is also being an all-time offense right now. Two games, don't get me wrong. Small sample size, right? But sure. is there a path to Aaron Rodgers and straight up, like, you know, oh, you drafted my replacement in the first round? Let me show you and actually come out as an MVP candidate. These Packers are 2-0. and The Vikings who are in that division have not performed well, are 0-2. And Aaron Rodgers is now, is he value at 11-1? to
2: I mean, I would never bet the Russell Wilson number, which is outrageous. At okay, Rodgers is 11-1 right weeks. now,
1: the fourth choice
2: fourth choice 11 to 1 for Rodgers. Yeah, I, I think it's a good number, right? The the question becomes can I just play Green Bay on the money line and, and a lot of these Rodgers props this week and, and not tie my my money up because the MVP market through two weeks, man, tough to have a great Fair. grasp of it. But I can't argue with 11 to 1 when there're a lot of these other guys are, you know, cut half of that.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, another thing, like you said, tying your money up that long, Aaron Rodgers will have to stay healthy for another 14 games as well. More when we come back on the early line. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line on Sports Grid, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, we have discussed all of the games in the NFL on Sunday. So I know we got to talk a little bit about NBA and LeBron for you, Kev. And that's what we do now because the Los Angeles Lakers did, in fact, get a victory last night, 114-108 against the Denver Nuggets, putting the Nuggets in the familiar 3-1 hole for them. I want to ask you about this. Kev, yeah, one of my biggest takeaways, I know we talked about this going into this game, was, you know, talk about some fouls and the way LeBron was even, like, being officiated. And now I look at the box score and Anthony Davis got to the line 14 times. LeBron James got to the line 14. 14 times, right? As a team, they get their 35, you know, 20 of 23 on the other side for the Nuggets. But the fact that Davis and LeBron get to the line a combined 28 times in a six-point game, I think is interesting. What were the biggest
2: takeaways from you in game four? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that were, uh, I don't know if they were surprised, annoyed by the free throws. It shouldn't have been surprised. Shouldn't have been surprised one bit. There's been the same amount of free throws taken by these two teams through four games as much as everybody is trying to cry wolf on the officials. The Lakers were called for 25 fouls. The Nuggets were called for 28. It's not not that big of a gap. And I don't know why people are so caught off guard by two of the five best players in the world who consistently shoot their shots at the basket going to the line a bunch. Like, you should be surprised when LeBron doesn't shoot 10 free throws in, in in a spot like this. Not the other way around. The foul stuff is is just whatever. People want to get caught up in it and lose the fun that is this game. Fine. This was an exciting game, man. It really was. And I can't even lie to you. Where where I I, I start, Jamal Murray. Because what a yeah. play from him. No, seriously. I mean, 32 points, 12 of 20 from the field. Just the shots that he was hitting, everybody was with the reverse layup. There was the fadeaway uh, to baseline right-handed floater. Yeah. There was the spinning, falling on his head, left-handed floater. I mean, he was just hitting circus shots and everything that left his hand was going in. I mean, it was a, Jamal Murray is a guy, Dan, that you and I have talked about a lot about we have. where he's we have. moving up the ranks. Yeah, And, you know, the other day to myself, I was starting to piece together what the top 20 might look like. And, I don't know where he fits into that group, but plays like this, man, it it makes this guy hard to deny. He's He's been awesome for this team.
1: You know, and Kev, and obviously we should talk about the Lakers, right? Because the Lakers are the mm-hmm. team that are up 3-1. But, you know, I have asked you about Jamal Murray in the past, right? And does he ascend to be like a top five point guard in the NBA? And I also asked you, you know, we have that big three concept, the Batman and Robin concept. I remember also asking you, um, like, Tell me better duos in the NBA besides Murray and Jokic, right? And if you're going to consider potentially Murray and Jokic to both be top 20 players in the NBA, they have to be in the conversation. I remember you also asking me, Kev, as it related to the Nuggets, like, did they have to win that game seven against the Clippers to kind of advance, right, in the Mm -hmm. public perception, have that moral victory? So I honestly believe. They're 3-1 now, and I don't know if they're going to be able to come back from 3-1 for a third time in the same playoffs, right? But before we talk about the Lakers, like, we have to respect this Denver Nuggets team led by one of the best duos in the NBA,
2: Kev. And look, this is a series that it's 3-1, and this is kind of what I was saying to you about this series, right? Where I was like, look, it's a bad matchup for Denver. The Lakers are going to win this series, but it doesn't mean that it was a slight to Denver who through four games right. has been competitive. They've been, they've been right there in the mix in three of these four games, obviously with the one win yeah. under their belt. So it, and a lot of people now have been talking about it, Dane, in the way that, you know, people were, were kind of hoping if they crossed that threshold. Man, this team ain't going anywhere. Jokic's twenty five, Murray's twenty three, right. and I—I and I don't know if people feel like we're talking about this series as if it over, as if it's over, which maybe is disrespectful to them. I mean, the series is over, but they—it's just one of the things where because we always start on the Lakers' side of it, and I wanted to mm-hmm. give Denver their credit in yeah. this spot because it. And, it, you know, it's odd how it works out. Now Murray, who played, you know, a fantastic. Is evening, the minus, minus eight. eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's yeah. crazy how that, how that stuff works. But I just, I leave this game, man. And because you've been talking to me about about this duo and, and where do they yep. rank, right? And with performances like this, at the end of the day, when you put those lists together, a lot of times it has to do with trust and the postseason, and where I can trust you in the postseason. And they're yes. earning that trust on a nightly basis. Yeah, I absolutely think
1: kind of their, their comebacks from 3-1, remember, down double digits in elimination games, yeah. left and right. Like, And remember, they won Game 7s last year as well, you know, and we believe there's a potentially ascending Michael Porter, give him another year. And what I truly wonder, Kev, is if Denver – like gets through that kind of glass ceiling uh, perception wise, will they start to like attract a free agent, you know, that could be a key cog mm. for them moving forward. You know, I think people will have to wonder, maybe I want to go to Denver to be that third, right? Like a, like an Oladipo type and who knows? Well, but let's talk about the Lakers here now. Um, have they figured it out? Are they rolling? You think they put them to bed? Cause I mean, Denver has come back from three, one before.
2: They sure have. Here's the thing with the Lakers and, and why they're the best team in the league. Their ability to be versatile. Their ability to adapt. Dwight Howard got to start in this game, not JaVale McGee. Yeah. Dwight Howard, you know, I think had 8-8 eight and eight in the first quarter. He only played 23 minutes, was a plus 7, and gave this team 12 points, 11 rebounds, and most importantly, Dane, 6 offensive rebounds a lot of second chance points for the Lakers in this game and that's what they needed to see after being dominated on the glass they had, you know 12 offensive rebounds as a team in the game that's what this team needed to do and that's what this team has the ability to do because last round Dwight didn't play JaVale got pushed out of the starting lineup for Markeith Morris and then Markeith Morris only shows up I mean and he fouls out in 17 minutes of work Lakers are fine that's what this team has the ability to do. You know what you're going to get from the two pillars. In this series, again, because of the matchup, AD's shown up. He's given you 30, and that's what he's done. LeBron, no matter who you're playing, is going to give you 27, 8, and 8, and gave you 26, 8, and 9. Like, that's right. what he's going to do. KCP has stepped up, and he's been good for this team in spots. Rondo, the plus-minus isn't kind to him. But the numbers are there, and he played a good enough game for this team. And ultimately, we're, we're seeing that there's, there's actually balance in a roster that everybody felt was completely tilted on its head because the other pieces are versatile, and they open different avenues for this Lakers team to adjust to any opponent that they play.
1: All right. And so Kev, the next time we talk on Monday morning, we'll see if the Lakers have in fact, put the Denver nuggets to sleep or if they kind of stay alive the way they have in the last two series in a row, we will see Mm -hmm. how, uh, how that one winds up over in the Eastern conference though, Kev, we may also have the finals participants set by the time we talk on Monday as well, because tonight game five of the Eastern conference finals will pit the Miami heat and the Boston, Celtics Miami has a 3-1 lead we were asking about what are the adjustments there at play but it's ironic the Celtics are favored to remain in this series, Kev. At last check, they are three-and-a-half-point favorites for this game. Two thirteen is the total, and I've been asking you about these totals based on the team defense that both of these guys play, more half-caught offense and things getting tighter. Where do you go in this one? Can the Boston Celtics save their season in a series, maybe not to the extent of Nuggets Lakers, but this is 3-1, but these games have been tight as well.
2: No, they absolutely have been tight and Boston being able to, this is a series where I think it's okay to say, listen man, game by game. I think that's fair because if you get the next one, right, then it all comes down to game six and people might say, well, why is that not true for Denver? They're not going to come back from 3-1, three straight series. They're not going to do it against a team that is just a bad matchup for them, and they're not going to do it against two of the five best players in the world. It's not going to happen. Now, the Miami Heat have lost twice all postseason, all postseason. So to have to beat them three times in a row, yeah, it's a mountain to climb. But it's going to have to be brick by brick. Here's what I will say about, though, the total, which you have pointed to a lot in this series. It yeah. is now up to 213. It should be up to 213. These teams are starting to push the pace a bit. I look back though the Heat closeout games thus far in the postseason, and I guess, and when I say closeout games, maybe I'm kind of eliminating when they had the opportunity to just sweep Milwaukee. Game went to overtime, It's a weird game, but the right. the game that which they closed the series out have played stone cold unders. I don't even know if they got, I don't think either game got to 200 points. It feels like this could be a game that should peel back a bit, I think, on the offensive output and just be a tighter game as both of these teams somewhat feel the the pressure. Though I can't pretend that I say that with the utmost confidence because it was the second half that saw like 120 points put forward. That live total got down to 198.5 at the break, Dane, and got up then finished in the 220s. So it's a spot where I think the under's the play, but this very well could be a series that's just going to play towards the over.
1: Okay, let me ask you about in the prop market, which I know you've been in all playoffs long. I have one question for you on either side. On the Boston side, you know, we've talked about kind of their top-end talent, right, how they have three guys, four guys you trust. So, like, I see point totals for all these dudes, right, as high as 25 for Tatum, who, by the way, went scoreless, I believe, in the first half last time around, down to 19 for Brown and Kemba, down to 13 for Hayward, down to 12 and a half for Marcus Smart. Where's the value on any of those scorers for the Celtics?
2: I have to trust Tatum right now. I mean okay. he had zero points and went over. It. He had zero points in the first half and then went over his points prop. Like right. what? I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. Donovan Mitchell did something similar to that to break my heart in a round 1 matchup, but he didn't have zero. He only had like he had like six or four. <sighs> Donovan Mitchell. But I, I think Tatum's the guy that you just you seemingly have to trust gotta, right, right. from this Celtics team cuz Kemba's just not been good enough, man. Like, I, I've thought a number of times in this playoff, time to buy back on Kemba, and it has right. not been time to buy back on Kemba.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Then over on the Miami side, I need a hero, Tyler Hero, <laughs> after 31 points and hitting five, I believe, three-pointers in yeah. game four, when also Duncan Robinson got squadouche. From behind the arc, right? So I ask yeah. you all the time about these two dudes. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero made threes. They both sit at two and a half. Um, you want to go back to Duncan? Or is Tyler Hero just going to continue this
2: emergence as, like, so, the third guy? That here's that's And that's the thing with Hero now. The minutes are there to right. justify that play. Hard to argue with it. I will, I'll keep Duncan in the conversation, though. And let me bring Jay Crowder back into the mix. These Ooh. are two guys, though, that are shooting exclusively threes, both coming off bad shooting nights. Crowder, two games in a row, bad shooting nights. Maybe you're risking that these guys are, because of their shooting is lacking, not going to play enough minutes. But I think you might be able to buy low on them, whether it be points, props, or three-point markets.
1: Yeah, I think I might stick with this Tyler Hero because, like you said, he's getting the minutes now. The opportunity is there. We'll give you our best bets for an NFL Week 3 when we come back right here on The Early Line Welcome back in, everybody. Right here on to the early line. As we finish up a football Friday, we talk a little DFS. We talk a little injuries. We talk a little fantasy. We talk a little prop bets. We talk a little totals. We talk a little sides. Kev, let's talk Survivor Pool. Okay, I am still live in mine. I had Kansas City week one. I had Pittsburgh week two. And, you know, I mean, I'm a Jets fan, but... I don't see how the Jets go in there and beat Indianapolis with what they're running out, especially at the skill positions these days. I think the Colts are going to be my survivor pick for the week. I think it's like chalk and easy. And then, you know, it's kind of the emotional hedge too, right? Because if I lose that survivor bet, at least the Jets won a game, for goodness sakes.
2: Yeah, I will what other Don't do it. <laughs> don't do the Colts thing. Don't Phillip take the Rivers. Colts. You think no. the Jets are live to win this game outright? Here's the thing. Philip Rivers was built in a lab to murder survivor pools. He, like, this text true. other people that you know that were in your survivor pool about how they feel about Oh, a lot of people got banged out with the Colts
1: week, week, one. week one. Trust week me, week I'm one of like one. 20% of people left because of the Colts picks in week yes. one. You're right.
2: Listen, I think the Colts are going to win the game, but here's the thing. You are going to be, like, I don't know how many people are in the survivor pool, but you're, like, 80% are going to take the Colts if it happens. If it happens, Dane. It's going to be you and like six people. There's some right. other spots on the board that I think are like what? just fine. Give me one. We got the, a minute left. Give me one. I think, I think the Patriots at home, because I know people don't want to go on the road. And even Philly, they're playing the Bengals. They're playing the Bengals. When else are you going to really want to trust Philly? The other options are going to be division games. Pick on the yep. Bengals.
1: Okay. Yeah. That idea of Joe Burrow on the road. And, you know, ironically, you go back to the Philadelphia Phillies, which our poll thinks is 35% of the people, Kev, still think the Philadelphia Eagles at O 2 can make the playoffs. The leader in that poll is the Houston Texans with 53% of the vote. They've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. But then, as we've said, the schedule kind of opens up a little bit for the Texans after that stretch of at Kansas City and home for Baltimore. To start off, well, one thing I know is when we are here on Monday morning, Kev, we're going to have a lot to talk about, whether it's the NBA Finals being set, if the Cardinals are playing a doubleheader on Monday, and all the stuff from week three to look at. And by the way, week three finishes with a pretty premier Monday night football game with Kansas City and Baltimore. So we'll be here after the weekend to discuss all of it. My man, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh and me, I'm merely Martin